0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: There are works that he celebrated, that he recommends, that he commends in the life of the believer. Love. And so we need to check ourselves. God, am I walking in love? Am I growing in service? Am I walking in faith? Do I have patience? Am I increasing in works? Am I doing more now than I was before? Am I increasing in that? Because those are all things that he commends. I learned that about him. I learned that God will severely punish those who corrupt his church. That God is not playing, his church is
0: precious to him. In your walk with Christ, do you consistently check on your faith? Do you ever take a step back and take stock of your standing in God's kingdom? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you need to be aware of your standing with God. When you're not being faithful in your service to Him, your relationship suffers. God has called you to be a light to everyone around you. And if you aren't following the call, then you are ignoring what He values most. Seek after God's glory and be transformed. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter two. As he continues his message, the Church of Thyatira. It bothered me enough
1: to where when they left, I called the pastor of the church I was going to. And I was like, hey, I'll do this Bible study at my friend's house. And it was weird. They made the women go in the back, and they kept us in the front. They, like, took control of his living room. I was like, I think that was whack. It was his house. And they were telling him he can't get baptized till he goes through, you know, some classes that they have. But he was getting ready to get baptized that week at Calvary Chapel, South Bay, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, man, are they called the Church of Christ? like, yeah, you know them. You know them too. He's like, it's a cult. Tell them to go home. Tell them don't never come back. It's a cult. And I'll never forget that because God did that for me when I didn't know no word. It wasn't like I knew the word. I could chop it up. I was impressed with how well they knew the Bible. But the Holy Spirit was inside me saying, like, I was unrested. I was not, it just, this is not right. And so God will give you that. Um, But as we, you know, grow, we want to know the word. That'll keep us from this sort of error. Now, here's a little something about what was happening in Thyatira, the area. Though they were small, they had a lot of uh, what's called, we call them, they call them guilds. It'd be like unions for work. They were known for their dying of, of purple. Uh, this is what the woman Lydia in the book of Acts was known for uh, in, the, in the city of Thyatira and they had all these working guilds. This is where the temptation could potentially have come, some believe it came from. If you were a Christian in Thyatira and the working guilds there for all the different work that you could do to make money, um, required that you participated in all of the idolatrous worship and practices, many of which, and many of which had to do with sexual sin. A lot of the worship of the false gods included sexual acts and sexual sins. Well, if you didn't participate, then you wouldn't get work. You can't work here. You're gonna be broke in Thyatira. Then, well, the temptation would be the to participate. And so some believe that this woman was, hey, you guys, it's okay. The Lord told me to tell you that you can go ahead and do that, and participate in that. Just come back here and pay your indulgence or get forgiven for it. You'll be fine. And misleading people for financial reasons, these are some of what people think was taking place. Verse 21, it says, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. This is interesting because if you note From the previous studies, God was speaking to the church, and he was telling the church the way you get it right is to repent, right? I want you to know he's not speaking to the church yet. He's going to speak in a moment to the remnant of this church. But notice what he says. I gave her time, past tense. You don't get to repent now. I gave you a chance to repent, and you didn't. This church he's speaking to, they missed the boat. They missed their opportunity. They won't be right. They messed up. This woman, he says, I gave you time to repent, and you didn't. Can I just hint, uh, give us something we learn about God here is that God gives, us, God gives us time to repent as well. Amen? God is patient with us. The Bible says part of the nature of God is that he's long-suffering and he's patient. If you're here and you're a believer and you're doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing, I know that God has been patient. God has given you time to repent. But if you don't repent, eventually God's going to smash you. He's going to spank you. He's going to deal with you if you're a believer. God gives us time. I'm thankful in my life that when I wasn't a believer, God gave me time to repent, I first heard the gospel with clarity to where I understood it when I was 16, and I made a conscious decision that I wasn't gonna follow the Lord at that time. And I went on in sin um, for three more years. And three years later, because God is merciful, He gave me another chance. I'm so grateful that He gave me that time to repent. I'm glad I didn't die between 16 and 19 and go to hell, that God gave me time to repent. I would just say to us that are here today, if you're here today and you're listening and you're breathing, and you need to repent, don't do it tomorrow. Do it today. Don't wait for New Year's. Do it now. If God says, look, I gave them time to repent, but they didn't. Here's what happens. If God gives you time to repent, and you don't take it, and you get good at resisting, good at telling God no, what happens to your heart if you keep resisting God? Your heart gets hardened. And eventually, you'll you, you, you lose feeling. Um, it says in Genesis 6-3 that God said his spirit will not always strive with men. God's not, it's not gonna, you know, God's not going to continue forever and ever. You know, there's a point where God will just let you have what you got. So if you resist God long enough, Romans 1 calls it a reprobate mind. There's a point at which God says, you know what? I'm going to let you keep what you got. That's a scary thought to me. That all, the, all that God's doing to draw people, woo them by his spirit, there's a point where God says, okay, you don't want me. You don't have to. You can keep what you got. None of us ever wants to get there. I don't want to get there. I mean, I'm a believer already, so that's a wrap. But even as a Christian, Christians get disobedient too. And Christians get dull of hearing too. And we stop listening for a while too. We don't want to do that. We want to, I want to, we want to maintain a sweet sensitivity to the Lord. And, and the way we keep that is that we obey and we listen. And God, when you convict me, I want to respond quickly. Um, because, you know, we're, we're growing in new areas all the time, and the Holy Spirit will convict you about what you need to be convicted about. And we want to yield to the Lord in whatever those things are when he shows us. But he says here, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Now, 22, God says what he's going to do to her. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And so he says he's going to cast her into a sickbed. Those that commit adultery with her, those who, you know, the Bible uses adultery in a couple of ways. This is the only time in the book of Revelation the word adultery is used. Um, Fornication is many times in this book. This is the only time adultery is used. And throughout Israel's history, throughout the Old Testament, God would many times use adultery to speak of his people's unfaithfulness to him. He would use the image of a marriage. He used that in the book of Hosea where he had the prophet Hosea marry a harlot who went out and cheated on him. And God said, that's how I love you guys. That I love you. I chose you. I picked you. I married you. And then you cheated on me, committed adultery. And then I came back and I bought you for myself. Here he says, those who commit adultery with her, they're going to go into the great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Then notice verse 23, I will kill her children, not his children, her children. God doesn't kill his kids, amen? Y'all say it like you mean God doesn't kill his children, amen? But he will kill her children. And he says he will kill her children with death. Now, I don't know what else you can be killed with, but (laughs) he's going to kill her children with death. The Bible speaks of, obviously, everybody dies, but the Bible speaks of a second death. And we see it as we come to the end of the book of Revelation. The second death is what? Hell, lake of fire. You ain't coming back from that, guys. I will kill her children with death, and so those that are in the bed with her, those that are commit, those that are cheating on me with her. Those that are wrapped up in that system, um, they're gonna. If they're alive, they'll go through the tribulation. Uh, they'll, they'll. God said they're gonna. Their kids are gonna end up in hell. They're, they're gonna end up in hell. So here's what I think is important here, and I'll just I'll speak quickly on you know Catholicism and some of the things that are that are broken with that system. Um, it's a corrupt system from the get-go, how it started, where it came from. Um, it's, it's managed today in a very corrupt way. And I think the appeal that many people have to Catholicism is um, it, it provides religious experience without anything relational, anything life transformative. So I know people that prefer Catholicism because, you know, I go to church, I go to mass, do my service, my sign of the cross, take my communion, and I go do my life. It doesn't require transformation, surrender, holiness, none of that. I do my religious thing. Um, and I think for some people, they they believe that they're okay. I do that. But they're not okay. It's They're deceived. I know people that have been in that for years. They don't have a relationship with God. They're not born again. They're not trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. They're trusting in that system, that religious organization. And so... Maybe you have friends or family that are in it. And I think some Christians are kind of, pa- kind of passive about it. Like, oh, you know, I think they're pretty much Christians too. Not necessarily. Not if you think Mary's an intercessor. Mary's not an intercessor. She's a, she's a person like you. Um, not if you're praying to the saints. Not if you're praying to angels. Not if you're praying to somebody else. Not if you're hoping that your connection to God is through something other than Jesus Christ. That's not it. And so, you know, if we got friends that are wrapped up. It's a system of religion. That people get wrapped up in, but many people are lost in it, and it's it's got it's like on the fringe. It's got a, it's got a lot of it's got some truth in it, you know, but not enough to save you, not enough to deliver you, not enough to bring about a transformed life. And so here, um, you know, Jesus is dealing with this system. It's a false system, and I want to be aware of it. One that I don't get wrapped up in it, and then when I talk to people that are, I'm gonna ask questions because maybe they're not born again, you know. Uh, is it possible that someone in a Catholic church can be born again? Yeah, but there are lots of things there that can really mislead people and lead them astray. Um, if if you can't be an idolater and enter the kingdom, uh, there's a lot of idolatry in it—bowing um, to statues and things. So many things that God just said don't do. Um, and so, you know, it, it gives a form of godliness but no power. Uh, I know people that are you know devout Catholics that you know they'll. I know. I mean, I know people that are gang and do all kind of stuff. And but they're Catholic, and if a if a ambulance goes by, they'll stop and, and do the sign of the cross. When they pass by a church, they do the sign of the cross. They'll they'll do these little things. But they, I mean, I'm looking at a life there's nothing changed. You'll shoot somebody tonight, but but you see the cross, you do you do that real quick. God did not care. God don't care if you can do that. You know, um, he's he's wanting to do something in our hearts that is far deeper than that. So, um, moving on, he says again, he'll kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. So God says, look, I'm the one. Everybody's going to know we're set and done, that I'm the one that searches the minds and the hearts, and I'm going to give each one according to their works. As believers, I think it's a healthy thing regularly that we pray, God, search me. Where the psalmist says that, Lord, search me and know my ways. None of us knows how wicked we really are, do we? And so we say God search me search me and show me if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a that's a healthy way to pray. Lord if there's something wrong and I don't see it show me. If there's a wicked way in me and I'm just unaware of it then would you reveal it to me show it to me so I can repent of it and change so I can grow from it. Here God says they're going to know that he's the one that searches the hearts and the minds and gives to each one according to their works. Now again if you're a Christian, you're a believer, Our sins are dealt with. Um, This is not a threat to us. This is a threat to those that are separated and not walking. Now, verse 24, is he finally speaks to the church, to the believers, the remnant of real believers in the midst of this system, look at what he says in verse 24. Now to you, I say, and not to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. So God says, look, I'm speaking to you guys that that are there, but you're not a part of it. You guys that have not, you guys don't believe this doctrine. You guys aren't wrapped up in it. He says, my word to you guys, I'm not putting any other burden on you. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, And sometimes you have believers that are in areas, in scenarios, in situations where they're immersed in a culture that's not right. God says, "Just, just keep doing what you're doing. Just hold your ground. Just stay solid. No no other burden, no extra stuff for you to do. Just just continue to hold your ground where you are. And that's what he says to them next in verse 25. He says, but hold fast what you have until I come. This is the first reference in Revelation to the fact that the Lord is coming back. This is the first church that he says something to about the fact that he's coming back. And so it identifies this church, this church system as one that will be around during the end times. It'll be around at the time of the Lord's come. He says, you guys, just hold fast what you have until I come. And it's important for us as believers that we take the truth that we know and that we hold fast because we are in the end times. We're in the last days. And there's a lot of people that would like to to push you and move you to let go of some of what you believe in. Um, There's a push right now that I see of, you know, for people to just kind of be more inclusive, you know, let's just don't be so divisive over religions and stuff like that. Let's just kind of all bring it together. How I many guys have seen the little the coexists bumper sticker where they got every symbol from every group and they'll do big you know gatherings and try to get everybody to unite and kumbaya together? But I, you know, if I be real, because that's the only way I know how to be, um, I can't pray with a Muslim. They don't know God. I can't pray with a Jehovah's Witness. They don't know God. I can't pray with somebody that's wrapped up in Eastern religion, they don't know God. I can evangelize, I can share, I can preach, but we certainly can't pray together. They actually belong to the devil, right? That's what, I, that's what the Bible teaches. And so when, you know, they have these groups and they all come together, I can't be a part of that. And as the world pushes for that more and more, Christians that hold true the Bible are going to be the problem. You guys, you know, you guys are so narrow. That's, that's exactly what he said it was. You know, we know we're on the right foot. We're the ones that are saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. There's no way to the Father except through him. Oh, that's arrogant of you. That you, got it, you have it right and everybody else has it wrong. I didn't write it. He wrote it. He said this. And yeah, he's right. Everybody else is wrong. It's going to be more and more unpopular to hold fast to that. But that's what Jesus says to the true church. Hold fast what you have till I come. You know why? Because when he comes, His reward comes with him. It'll all be worth it when he comes. Rather you die and go to him or he comes to get you, it'll be worth it to have been one that held fast until he comes. And so he says, but hold fast what you have till I come. And here goes a promise to the overcomer. Verse 26, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed. To pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. This is speaking of this. Believers are going to get to. We're going to serve God. Y'all know we're not going to just be in heaven on clouds with hearts singing kumbaya. You know we're going to have jobs. You're going to have things to do in heaven that are related to how you lived your life here. So if you if you've been faithful on earth, God says, look, those that have been faithful here, I'm going I'm to give you. I'm going to put you over things. Um, what if you haven't been faithful here? You're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna be heaven's janitor. Like, how did, I, how did I get this job? That's messed up, you know. So be faithful. Make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing down here. We're gonna have something to do. Well, the thousand after the church is raptured, there's a thousand after the end of the tribulation period. There's a thousand years of God's what's called the millennial reign of Christ. All believers that have been are with the Lord. We come back and we rule and reign with Christ during that period of time. That's what it's speaking about here that's with all those who overcome you're going to get to be a part of this with me he said um and he'll give them of the morning star so real quick how, how do we become an overcomer how do i make sure i'm part of that group cuz that's every every one of these letters ends with a promise to the overcomer how do you and i make sure that we are included in the group write down 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 and 6 1 John chapter 5 verses 4 um, four, 4 through 6, I'll read it to us. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. How do we overcome? Because we put our faith in Jesus. So everyone here that would say, "I'm a believer," you're an overcomer. Here's a beautiful thing about being in relationship with Jesus. Um, because the moment you got saved, you overcame. It's through the blood of Christ that you're overcoming today, and you are guaranteed because the blood of Christ has washed you that you will overcome. Amen. And so, for believers, we're 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 all the promises to the overcomers. It's ours. Um, we are overcomers through Jesus Christ, through our relationship with him. And so the last thing he says in verse 29, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he says it's all seven, but he who has an ear, let, let him hear what I'm saying to the church. And that's how we know that this letter is not just to them then, but it's every letter we're reading. There's As it would apply to us that are sitting and listening, God said, if you have an ear, let you hear, let me hear what the Spirit is saying to the church is, plural. Uh, it was written for them then, but it's also it's a timeless. It's written for us now that we might grow and learn. And so um, the thing i like to answer as we close is, what does this letter teach me, teach you about Jesus? Uh, what do we learn about Jesus? What's unveiled about Jesus in his letter to the church of Thyatira? First, from the introduction um, that you know, Jesus says, I'm, I am the son of God, that he is God. Uh, And that if there is corruption or unrepentant sin, he comes as God, seeing and knowing everything, um, and to be the judge. He comes to judge. And so um, some people are uncomfortable with that aspect of God, that he's a judge, but it's very much who he is. Um, And what God comes to do, even when he comes back for you and for me, is going to be directly impacted by where we stand. Um, If you die and you go meet the Lord as a child of God, be the best day of your life. You're going to be with the Lord. You'll be received as a son or a daughter. Sins are forgiven. Enter in his glory. If you die and meet the Lord as a non-believer, it be the worst moment and the beginning of the worst error of eternity for you. Uh, everything has everything to do with who you are and where you stand. And so um, God judges, but you know what God would rather do than judge? He would rather forgive. He'd rather cleanse. He, anybody in this room that feels like you might be under the judgment of God, you're living and breathing, today you can be forgiven. God would rather forgive you than judge you. It is his will He says in 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so he'd rather you repent, and if you do repent, he will forgive you. He will receive you. He guarantees it. We learn this about the Lord, that he knows all of our works, and there are works that he celebrated, that he recommends, that he commends in the life of the believer, love. And so we need to check ourselves. God, am I walking in love? Am I growing in service? Am I walking in faith? Do I have patience? Am I increasing in works? Am I doing more now than I was before? Am I increasing in that? Because those are all things that he commends. I learned that about him. I learned that God will severely punish those who corrupt his church. That God is not playing. His church is precious to him. And those that are misleading it, those that are lying to church people, those that are deceiving the church, God says, I'm going to deal severely with them. I will judge them and it will be severe. And so we just want to make sure that we're not Being deceived, and that we're not participating in any form of deception, particularly when it comes to people in their relationship with God. Amen. And I would just add this the Lord just put it on my heart right now. I think um, something I've seen in my time is I would say to parents, uh, I've seen parents, Christian parents, either wanting their kids to do something or not wanting their kids to do stuff that have spoken beyond God's word about things to their kids, but made it seem like this is what God wants. Um, but it's really what mom wants, or it's really what dad wants. That's, in a sense, us. That's like using your authority as a parent to misguide. Don't do that. Don't misuse your spiritual authority in the lives of your kids. You need them to be able to trust you as a spiritual authority. And they need to be able to trust you as a spiritual authority. And you have to lay down your agendas like they have to lay down theirs. You may have an agenda for your kids, what you want. And you have to die to that and say, God, what do you want? And don't speak to your children beyond the word of the Lord. Don't speak beyond what he says to get what you want for them. Um, Because what if God has something totally different and they got to fight you to get to God? Don't be that. That's for somebody. That's not in my notes, but I believe somebody needed to hear that and heed that. So um, we don't want to... God severely punishes those who corrupt this church. To those that are living right, God adds nothing. there's nothing else to do. You're living right today and you're going to leave church, what do you got to do? Just keep doing what you're doing. If you're living for the Lord, growing in faith, serving the Lord, and you're, what, God, what do I need to do? He would just say, just keep, you're doing a good, you're just where you're at right now, just keep on going the right way. Um, hold your ground. Hold, hold fast till he comes. Um, there's nothing else you need to add to it. Just keep living right. And lastly, and we'll close with this, he's rooting for us to be overcomers, and he's provided the way. I said, look, I, I made, I'm making promises to overcome. I'm tempting you. To be an overcomer, and then if you decide, yes, I want to be one, he says, I, I provided the way. You can never be an overcomer in your own flesh. Jesus says, I, I overcame for you. And as you put your faith in me, I died in your place. I forgive all your sins. I cover all your blemishes and weaknesses. I love you through your flaws, and I have forgiven you. I am forgiving you, and I will continue to forgive you. You will be an overcomer through the blood of the Lamb. That's anybody that's ever overcame is overcome through Christ and we continue to be overcomers through Christ. Amen.
0: You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on Trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift! He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, We're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.